Welcome to the manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors Macabre Manor. Mead, Metal of Mayhem. I'm James. <laughs> and I'm Jody. And I'm not going to do the yeah, possessed <laughs> voice. <laughs> Jody, run away. Run away. <laughs> Save me, Satan. <laughs> now. <laughs> In nomine diabolus, shameless. <laughs> Ah, uh, so welcome back to another fun episode of, of our show. Mm, fun, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Spooky fun. Yeah. Spooky. Or, well, sort of, sort of, yeah. <laughs> can be, can be. Can be, yeah. <laughs> All right, so do, do we want to talk beers first or do we want to talk about the subject of the show? They're, they're not the same? Well, they are, but I thought maybe we'd talk about the beers first and then kind of go into it because. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> okay. Mine is from 18 Street. 18 Street? Street! <laughs> Sorry, too much money, Python. Street! <laughs> 18th Street Brewery in Indiana, Hammond, Indiana. And it is a lovely 8.5% pale ale called deal with the devil Ooh, good got a goat devil with all sorts of on the throne with all sorts of cool things going on and little stigmata and (laughs) oh nice yeah it's good i've had it before too it's sadly the last of my four pack but oh it's it's quite quite tasty Mm. what style did you say it was it's a pale ale well it says pale ale on the label. I would say it's an IPA because okay. it's you know a little stronger and heavier. And that bitterness is coming through the nose already. Ooh. <laughs> you know, I think that's one of the things I like about, especially IPAs, is the bitterness. Uh, anyway, yeah. what, what are you having? I, I am also having an IPA, or, or mm. my, mine actually is called an IPA. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is from uh, Back Forty beer company in gadsden alabama it's a it's a small town um a little bit uh, south of where i I live in in huntsville and it's uh this is called the devil's staircase yeah Um, does it have a staircase on it um actually uh actually it kind of kind of (laughs) does um I've, I've, I've take, I, I posted it on the app that shall not be named, so you could probably see the picture I took on there. All right, so are we ready? Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to make a deal with the devil. Oh, wait, sorry. It's what I'm drinking. Oh, yes. <laughs> Just be careful on his staircase. Ah! <laughs> thump, thump, thump. My shoe! Thump, thump. <laughs> yes. So anyway, so- what is our topic? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, are, do you want to hear a little story? Story time. Woo! Yeah. In the beginning, the angel Lucifer was cast out of heaven and condemned to rule hell for all eternity until he decided to take a vacation. <laughs> the television series Lucifer is loosely based on the uh, character from the Sandman comics. Created by Neil Gaiman, Sam Neil Gaiman. Keith, 
yeah, Neil Gaiman, uh, Sam Keith, and Mike Dringenberg. I think I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> I think so. They're pretty cool, too. I've read, like, the first eight, eight issues of Sandman. Um, and I think Lucifer first appears in issue four. That's, like, the only issue in that set of issues that he was in. Oh, and, and Lucifer had a spinoff series published by, by DC's Vertigo imprint, which is what Sandman was published by. Um, that was written by Mike Carey. Now, at, at Gaiman's insistence, when, when they started the Sandman series, he asked that Lucifer be drawn to look like David Bowie. Because Lucifer is, of course, blonde. Yes. And, which... and, and in the show, they, they, they bring this up at least once. <laughs> um, You're supposed to be blonde. Yes, I get that a lot. But, uh, but yeah, uh, Lucifer in the, in the show does not look like Lucifer in the comics. And I'll, I'll mention that here. In a, talk a little bit about that here in a minute. I, Neil Gaiman was a huge David Bowie fan growing up. Uh, this influenced how he envisioned the character particularly a younger David Bowie. Uh, Gaiman said, the young folk singer period Bowie was the inspiration. I imagined Lucifer as a junkie angel and young Bowie was the closest we got. Nice. (laughs) So the premise of the series is that in 2011, Lucifer leaves hell for a vacation to Los Angeles, but decides to stay and open a nightclub named Lux. Ooh, Uh, I know what that means. Ooh, what's it mean? What's it mean? Light. Yes, it's Latin. A dead language that Lucifer would have been around for. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the show starts five years later in 2016. Lucifer's already been established in L.A. And in the pilot episode, he gets involved in the investigation of the murder of a pop star for whom he had done a favor. And did a, the, the, are you saying this pop star made a deal with the devil? She did, but she did not sell her soul because she asks him that (laughs) (laughs) and he corrects her. (laughs) So the show was, was originally supposed to be darker and was going to focus on him doing favors for people, uh, which, which is a reoccurring theme in the show, but mostly as a background thing. And actually at one point he points out that he's gotten away from doing it. Yeah, actually, I kind of liked that aspect of it, the beginning seasons, and it did trail off. And I'm glad they at least made that a part of the character growth. Yeah. After they wrote the pilot, they decided to keep the police procedural angle that they introduced into it. In spite of the fact that the police procedural aspect takes a backseat to other things, uh, the case of the week usually winds up being something Lucifer projects his current problems onto. Well, to be honest, though, everything is about Lucifer. You know, he is the most important being in the area. <laughs> that's, that's true. <laughs> At least according to Lucifer. Yep. <laughs> uh, so the show was was created by Tom Kapanos, um, who was the creator of the Showtime series Californication. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer is listed as executive producer. Most episodes, though, were produced by Joe Henderson and Ildi Modrovich. So as you can imagine, a television show where the main character is the devil, it's going to cause some controversy. So what? after In America, no, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so after Fox, who initially aired the series, um, after they announced the series and released the first trailer, the organization, 1 million moms 
started a petition to stop Fox from airing the show. The petition said, in part, the program previews mischaracterize Satan, departs from true biblical teachings about him, and inaccurately portrays the beliefs of the Christian faith. By choosing to air this show, Fox is disrespecting Christianity and mocking the Bible. <laughs> mock, 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 mock. First, it's not misrepresenting, <laughs> at least not Christianity, <laughs> maybe a little bit of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's, <laughs> you know, how much is Lucifer even in the Bible? Is he ever mentioned by name in the Bible? Well, okay, so I, I did look a little bit into this, depending on the translation. And remember, Lucifer, and we've talked about, I mean, because we've done an episode on Satan. Right. So we've talked about right. Lucifer. Okay. So the word Lucifer, it, you know, as, as we said, the, the nightclub is Lux, which James said is Latin. Light, yeah. Yeah. Latin for light and is actually Lux is where you get Luke in Lucifer because Lucifer is the Latin name for light bringer, which was the planet Venus, which, which is also called the morning star. And I don't remember what passage it is in the bible but there there was a passage in the bible in the hebrew because it's an old testament book used the hebrew word for morning star for or the, the hebrew word for venus and apparently it was a king of a babylonian king or somebody that they metaphorically referred to as morning star and in the latin they translated that as lucifer later christians went oh it must be literally Satan. So Satan is Lucifer and bullshit. <laughs> uh, there's a tie-in between the Old Testament and the New Testament where one, yeah, says something about, oh, morning star, how you have fallen. Yeah. And in the New Testament, there's something about, and Satan flew down from the heavens like a lightning bolt or some, something. I Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and that the Old Testament, oh, Lucifer, how, how you have fallen, or oh, Morning Star, how you fallen. That's that was the passage I was thinking of, but I don't remember. I don't remember what book or chapter. I want to say Daniel or Ezekiel, but I, I not. I'm not sure. I, Daniel, I, I, I'm wanting to say you may be right on Daniel, but I, I don't know. Which is maybe why they named Dan. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about that. I just did just now, not before. <laughs> I did not think about that. They, you know, I, I will say this. They do one hell of a job with the names in this show. <laughs> yeah. James and I were texting earlier about it. And uh, in season five, they, they introduced some of the other angels. And the, the most handsome angel <laughs> is named Hanjobiel. Hanjobiel? Yeah, it's Hanjobiel. But when you see it written out, it looks like Handjob. Yep. <laughs> and I know that was intentional. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no way. But 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 my uh my, my favorite one was from season six and I didn't I didn't catch this. Somebody else said uh, somebody else mentioned it in a in a, a comment on a on a post on a Facebook group. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. <laughs> oh um Isaiah, by the way. Oh, okay. That's you. Well, we were, we were I, off. I could, well, yeah, a little bit. I, I'm, I'm just happy I knew the passage enough that that brought up Isaiah right away. <laughs> okay, cool. All hail Google. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Google is our god. <laughs> um, uh, so going, going more into the controversy, uh, Matthew Archbold, writing for the National Catholic Register, 
would add jack shit. His, his blog post isn't worth quoting. It's so blatantly biased against a show he clearly had never watched. He that, spent, that makes sense. Yeah, he spends most of it railing against Tom Kapanos, who was only involved with the pilot. And I only mention this because there is a similarly named publication that we will bring up later in the episode. Yeah, we will. By we, it's going to be Jody. Yeah, it, it, it'll be me. So. <laughs> it's got to be me. <laughs> it's gotta be me yeah. um hey who created Lucifer, who created lucifer in the comic series in the comic series um yes. it was yahweh right no 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 who wrote the comic who wrote sandman oh i thought you meant like in the in the comic <laughs> it was neil gaiman right neil gaiman he had a fantastic reaction to all this controversy Ah, it seems like only yesterday, but it was 1991, that the Concerned Mothers of America announced that they were boycotting Sandman because it contained lesbian, gay, bi, and trans characters. I wonder if they noticed it didn't work last time either. No. No, all you're doing is bringing more attention to it, and the people who might not have watched it are now going to watch it, dumbasses. Exactly. So when One Million Moms tried again to have the show taken off before the second season aired, Gaiman commented, they've just launched a new petition against season two. I feel weird about the fact I think of them as lucky, but I really do. Sandman took off after their boycott was announced, and Lucifer seems to have been astonishingly well-received and is coming back for a second season. Never change, concerned mothers of America. It was a better name than One Million Moms, honestly, because we wouldn't have noticed the vast disparity between your name and your 3,528 Twitter followers if you were still the CMA. (laughs) (laughs) I love Gaiman. (laughs) Netflix is currently working with Neil Gaiman to do a Sandman series. Which will feature Lucifer, but um, it's going to be uh, uh, Gwendolyn Christie is going to be playing him as yeah. a female version. From Game of Thrones and uh, Star Wars. Yes. And more. Yeah, I yeah. love her. She's good. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've liked her in all the stuff, which has mostly been Star Wars, but I liked her in everything I've seen. So it, It'll be funny when Christian conservatives complain about that, too, about how they're using a female instead of a male, when you think they'd actually like it to be less biblically oriented <laughs> I, I know yeah so on uh, march 16th 2021 while tweeting about a table read for an episode from season six of lucifer gaiman tweeted and an extra special thanks to one million moms for trying so hard to get lucifer banned you people boycott and in, in speaking out against something is like a magical guarantee that it will blossom and grow <laughs> <laughs> hoping you'll be working your magic on sandman soon enough <laughs> fuckers so the portrayal of lucifer in the show you know getting over the fact that he's not blonde sure okay yeah 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 yeah. so (laughs) um he's not a liar no nope can't lie doesn't lie he's not inherently evil which he he makes a point of (laughs) honesty not just with others but with oneself is important to him embracing one's desires is a type of self-honesty i i I think and he has the ability to draw out people's desires it's referred to as his mojo (laughs) he does occasionally try to tempt people to do things uh, mostly in the first season Uh, but those are things that people already want to do 
so in a way, he's encouraging them to follow their desires. And a, a really good example of that is, I think it was the fourth episode of, of the first season. The, the show starts in the, the opening shot. It's looking up, this, this beautiful young woman. I, you can tell by her body language and the expression on her face, the way she's acting, that she's kind of scared. She's afraid. Uh, and through the use of sound effects and everything, you, you kind of get the impression she's, she's up high you don't know how high but she's up high and lucifer walks up behind her you know you want to go on go on won't it hurt there's only one way to find out so she jumps off and cannonballs into the pool down below (laughs) and yeah i mean sometimes he he can try to get people to get to do darker stuff but again it's stuff that they want to do you know it's their desire now, if somebody said they desired to kill someone, I don't know that he would encourage them to do it. I, well, it would depend on who they wanted to kill and why, maybe. <laughs> was there's that. Yeah. He, he is all about free will, though. I, I mean, you know, obviously, he's the first rebel, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. And while he might try to tempt someone to do something they already desire, he won't force them to do anything they don't want to do. Um, and he's not interested in souls. You know, uh, we, we were talking about the pop star that's that starts this whole thing she gets murdered and he helps with the investigation and she asks him you know did i sell my soul to the devil and he basically says i'm not interested in your soul (laughs) (laughs) but i did do you a favor so you owe me a favor (laughs) um his job in hell was to punish the bad people who wound up there but his being in hell was also a punishment or at least that's what he believes right yeah so lucifer morningstar is uh, portrayed by actor Tom Ellis. Lucifer is the devil, nightclub owner, grantor of favors, and consultant for the LAPD. Tom Ellis is from Wales. Okay, so I mentioned the whale, the, the being, being Welsh thing because when I realized he was Welsh, a, a couple of things hit me. He reminded me of two other Welshmen, Tom Jones, the singer, and Terry Jones from Monty Python. Because his comedy chops are, I mean. <laughs> he's good, yeah. He's, he, he's he is, he is really good. And he is a performer like Tom Jones. He can sing, he can dance, and he can do both very well. And, and we'll, we'll talk about him singing a little bit later, too. But he hadn't read any of the comics before taking on the role. So he didn't, he didn't really know anything about the character from the comic books. In 2016, he said, I, I hadn't used anything from the comics to start with, but since then, Neil Gaiman, who was behind the original incarnation, has got in touch with me. He told me he really enjoyed the pilot, so that was nice. It was almost like one of the parents giving us their blessing. <laughs> he actually comes from a very religious family. His father is a retired pastor. I don't know if his uncle's retired, because uh, I'm imagining his uncle is near the same age as his dad. So I don't know if his uncle's retired, but I know his dad's retired, but his uncle is also a pastor. And so is his sister. Now, and he, he, he was asked several times, well, what does your family think of you playing the devil? And uh, one interviewer who clearly hadn't watched any of the show at this point said, well, you know, how, how do they feel about you playing evil incarnate? And he was like, well, first, <laughs> the character's not <laughs> right, yeah. evil incarnate. Um, and second, they're very supportive so yeah i mean family family was cool with it you know that's because i disagreed with the person in charge or my father doesn't mean i'm evil (laughs) exactly 
Yeah. He also has a twin sister. I'm not sure if that's the sister that's a pastor, but I do know that he has a twin sister, uh, which I bring up because Ellis also plays Lucifer's twin, the Archangel Michael. Or Who's a douche? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's hashtag Michael is a dick. <laughs> or Mikael, as, yeah. as, 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 as Lucifer points out, it should actually be pronounced. <laughs> and as we have mentioned several times as well. Yes. Michael Raphael Elohim. Yes. So you know we've mentioned a few times that because because Tom Tom Ellis dark hair kind of maybe a little dark complected. So as far as him not looking like David Bowie, producer Jonathan Littman, he said because of the way he was so explicitly drawn, unless we could get David Bowie, it's probably better not to try and mimic David Bowie. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they could have got me, but, you know, I guess I didn't try out for it, and I'm not an actor. <laughs> well, those are two very good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if I'm just going to go off my natural charisma, well, <laughs> million, million moms might have been right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, so, uh, so funny thing was, when he first got the role, Tom Ellis actually thought about doing the character with, a, with an American accent, and it just, it didn't work. He just didn't come off as, you know, kind of suave as, as, as he does with, with the other accent. But yeah, I, I, it, it, I like his take on the character. I like him in that role, the way it wound up working in the series. So, yeah, we didn't get somebody like Bowie, but yeah, we got somebody who's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So I mentioned Chloe Decker earlier. Lauren German plays uh, Detective Chloe Decker former actress who became a cop after her father who had also been a cop uh, died in the line of duty in the pilot it's established that chloe is sort of on the outs with the other cops in the lapd including dan uh, who we've, we've already mentioned dan once we'll we'll get to dan i'm actually going to get to dan next uh, this provides an opportunity for lucifer to become a consultant for the lapd and more importantly to become her partner and spoiler alert Oh, wait, that, that's actually a title of one of the episodes. Um, he, he eventually <laughs> becomes her love interest. So Dan, I just mentioned Dan. Um, Kevin Alejandro plays Detective Daniel Espinoza, or Detective Douche. <laughs> and, and you have to draw that out a little bit. It's, you can't just say douche. It's douche. You have to draw that out, because that's how Lucifer does it. <laughs> So uh, he is that first season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially the first season. Whew. So Chloe and Dan are actually married, but separated in the first season. Um, they get divorced in season two, but they continue to work together throughout the series. Dan's relationship with Lucifer is very difficult throughout, but they, they do manage to become friends. They do. It's not. I'm, I was glad when they he's still antagonistic to Dan, but it gets. Yeah. Not so yeah. bad. So D.B. Woodside plays Amenadiel, uh, Amenadiel firstborn, an archangel, Lucifer's older brother, God's favorite son, actually the, the first angel, heaven's greatest warrior, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so Amenadiel starts off as kind of the show's man antagonist, but throughout the series, he comes to realize that there is more to Lucifer and himself. Um, and he's got this great story arc throughout the series. He's, he's actually one of the few characters in the series that originated in 
the comic books, and, and I'm guessing in the Lucifer series, not in Sandman. So, I never finished Sandman. I don't know what happened at, towards the end. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, um, I I do know that Amenadiel is not an angel from any, you know, bi- uh, biblical or, or or religious works. So it was it was a character that was created for one of those comic series, and I know he apparently played a big, pretty big part in the Lucifer comic series. All right, you ready? You're going to like this next one. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> Leslie Ann Brandt as Mazakeen of the Willem. <laughs> a- oh, Maz. A- yeah, a.k.a. Maze or Mazakeen Smith, which is kind of an, a name she took when she, um, when she got, well, I won't say regular job, but when she started getting paid um, by check, she had to have a last name. <laughs> <laughs> She's a demon, hell's greatest torturer, Lucifer's bodyguard, best friend, former lover, right hand woman. Right hand? Left hand? Right? The left hand sounds better with Lucifer. Yeah. Left yeah. hand path. Yeah. Just um, those cheeks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the head bartender at Lux and later a bounty hunter. I'm getting paid to hunt humans. Who knew it was a job? <laughs> <laughs> I can get paid for this. <laughs> okay, so as, as, as I said, Mazakeen of the Lilum. So her mother is Lilith, who we've we've done an episode on. <laughs> we have. So I'm going to take a drink for that for hearkening back. So so Lilith actually makes an appearance in the series, and she is also played by Leslie Ann Brandt. And this is another character that originated in the comic books. And like in the comic books, half of Maze's face looks like a rotting corpse. And it, this didn't hit me until I was actually doing some research here. Similar to Hell from Norse myth, or or Hella, some people, you know, or that's that's yeah. one of the forms of the name. But that's that's you know, Hella, who is the the goddess of basically the underworld in Norse myth. One half of her is, is appears as a, as, a, as a healthy young woman, and the other half looks like a corpse. So, yeah, that's kind of the, kind of what Maze looks like. In, in the comic book, they do have that in the, the TV show, although she's she is actually able to control her appearance so that she can appear normal, but they do show her uh, demonic face several times in the show. And in the comic, she wore a half mask that would cover that side of her, or side of her face. And that is actually alluded to, there is one episode where they actually show her wearing that. So Leslie Ann Brandt was actually born in Cape Town, South Africa, and moved to New Zealand when she was 18. When Brandt has to use, or when she has to speak the language of the Lilum, she actually uses um, Afri- uh, yeah, Afrikaans, which is the, oh, the cool. yeah, one of the languages of South Africa. And she uses a more guttural growling tone like almost like a death metal singer something else that she does in in a couple episodes being from south africa she she uses the afrikaans to kind of pay tribute to that and then because she she lives in new zealand or had had lived there i think she actually lives in california now but she had lived in new zealand for a long time so to kind of pay tribute to new zealand i didn't catch this i did i did i send you this picture though i did send you this picture of her, her using the uh, elements of the 
Maori Haka. Yeah, yeah. In some of the scenes that she did with Scarlett Estevez. Now, Scarlett Estevez plays Beatrice Trixie Espinosa, Chloe and Dan's uh, seven-year-old daughter at the start of the show. Trixie quickly befriends Lucifer and Mazikeen. She's a, she's a main character for the first four seasons. Um, then in season five and season six, she's brought in as more of a recurring character. So uh, Rachel Harris stars as Dr. Linda Martin, Lucifer's therapist, because it's L.A. Everybody has a therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I, Linda winds up becoming therapist to almost all of the characters at some point. Even if it's, you know, just like one session or just hanging out at home and listening to their problems and kind of, you know, giving advice or helping them figure out on their own what, you know, what maybe is, is going on. But her, her biggest thing is that she helps guide Lucifer through his growth throughout the series. Rachel Harris was a member of the Groundlings Improv Troupe in L.A. and has appeared in many movies and television series. The only one I'm going to name is her role as Melissa in The Hangover. Huh, I didn't connect those. One of the first scenes that I ever saw of the series was her and Lucifer in, in one of his therapy sessions. I immediately went, oh, cool. She's in this. This should be good. <laughs> <laughs> and beginning in season two, Amy Garcia joins uh, as a main cast member as forensic scientist Ella Lopez. Miss Lopez, as Lucifer calls her, is originally from Detroit, transfers to the LAPD at the beginning of season two. She has a unique past. Lots of things get uncovered and, and characters look at her and go, what? How do you know how to, how to do that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, she's a perfect fit for Lucifer's circle of friends. So there are other characters I want to talk about, but I'm I'm, I'm going to talk about them as they kind of get introduced in different seasons. Uh, do you want to talk about some of the themes? I would love to talk about the themes. What themes would you like to talk about? <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I, I was just going to go off of you, but I, I was ready to talk about free will. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the redemption arc. Yes. Um, love, you know, there, this has a lot of themes. It, it does. Yeah. Uh, I personally, didn't. I don't think Lucifer needs redeemed because I don't think he did anything wrong. <laughs> well, I, I will agree, but I, I mean, I will say that that's that's been one of the one one of the things that the producers and writers have been saying uh, the entire run of the series is, if the devil can be redeemed, anybody can be redeemed. Also, uh, faith, healing, and family are, are some other themes that the show deals with. Earlier, uh, I mentioned the National Catholic Register. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Tia Noel Pratt, a sociologist and contributor for the National Catholic Reporter. See, so it's a different Ooh. publication. Okay. Um, she wrote an article in November 2020 about the show. And unlike Matthew Archbold's hack piece in 2015, <laughs> um, Pratt actually wrote a relevant piece. Uh, she, one, she enjoyed the show. She actually watched the show, okay? And that's that's a huge thing right there. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to hack something, you should at least, yeah. Uh, so she describes the show as one part police procedural, one part melodrama about a charming, oversexed, devilishly handsome playboy. Sounds right. <laughs> yeah. 
and one part exploration of the dichotomy between faith and reason told through the lens of a family drama and a love story. Sounds right. I would also like to add that it's one part fantasy because that's literally how the show is listed is a fantasy series and one part comedy because the show can be very fucking hilarious. Yes. (laughs) She, she does bring up good points about the show's shortcomings, especially uh, the, police procedural part (laughs) (laughs) but she says what keeps me coming back for more is a layered exploration of faith and reason within the context of dysfunctional family dynamics she goes on to say that it's in the therapy scenes where the show really blossoms lucifer explores his feelings towards his father his brother decker and in season two his mother In season one, we see Lucifer struggle as a son who only wants his father's approval. His desire for simple communication and not receiving it creates massive insecurity. Drinking and sex are the key coping mechanisms he uses to compensate. Allow me to say that those do work. (laughs) But yes. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Lucifer's fractured relationship with God leaves him despondent. It's a feeling to which many people can relate. However, unlike humans, Lucifer doesn't just believe God exists. He knows it. Consequently, the one-sided relationship pains him in a way that doesn't resonate with humans who similarly seek communication with God. As for love, Pratt says being in love requires vulnerability. For Lucifer, the emotional risk has physical consequences. As an angel, Lucifer is immortal. Yet when he is in close proximity to chloe he is susceptible to the dangers of the mortal world thus he is constantly faced with the choice of continuing to protect himself or be around the one person who makes him want to be better and that that is something that is introduced in season one he is physically vulnerable when he is within close proximity to chloe and it freaks him out at first because he doesn't know why it gets explained and, and I love the explanation. I won't spoil it, but it, I love the explanation. You have to wait till season five to get an actual explanation. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time coming, but I'm glad they waited. That's oh, yeah. Yeah. It was worth it, I thought, you know. So going back a little bit to the, the controversy, Rachel Harris recently did an interview. She told a story about meeting some fans from the southern U.S. And they, they said, at first, we were scared of your show. We didn't want to watch a show with the title Lucifer. And they're like, now we get it. And we're like, it's not about that at all. It's about love and redemption and being kind, not letting the devil get the best of you and that the devil doesn't control you. And I said, exactly. That's what I love about the show. So, it, I mean, you know, the, the kind of people that probably when the show came out, sided with one million moms and would have boycotted it. Some of them wound up liking the show. Gee, when you actually watched the show. Huh. Exactly. <laughs> So she, uh, I get in, in another part of the interview, she said, uh, I see the show as a show about redemption and take the spirituality out of it. It's about being responsible for your own choices and honoring who you really are and what you love and who you really are. Uh, she repeated that apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> um, it's about you accepting that and that gift. And that's the purpose. And then she also had something to say about why the show resonates with fans. Hearing their stories about how the show connected with them, I understand why the fans feel so passionately about it because a lot of times 
a lot of our fans feel like outsiders in our world. So they connect with the Celestials feeling out of sorts on Earth. And mm-hmm. I, I, I have to say, she nails it right there. That feeling like an outsider. And, and you know, and, and you kind of, you see them and, uh, you know, that they're, they're dealing with the same thing. It's not their world. They're not part of this world. You know, they're celestials. They're supposed to be outside of it. And, you know, here they are trying to navigate their way through it. Right. They should be celestialing. Right. And they're not. But I, I do think that the, the fact, especially the Lucifer and Amenadiel, come down here to Earth, you know, and, and live here amongst people and get to know humans kind of sets the groundwork for how the series ends, which I won't give away because that's, you know. <laughs> spoilers! <laughs> now, I, I am going to give a few spoilers away in this next section because I'm going to talk about the, the seasons a little bit here. One of the themes, I don't even care about the redemption so much because, again, not sure I, I consider it redemption, but I do like the fact that somebody that has been considered the epitome of evil by the way, I pronounced epitome for the first 20 some years of my life. Um, but the epitome of evil realizes he can actually do and enjoys doing good. Yes. Given a chance without people just looking at him through a certain lens, he can be better than people. And he gets better and better. And, and he never really changes who he is. He's still a narcissist. Yeah. But he's a narcissist who learns how to love others and and be there for people and do good yes yes he does it, it, that's one of the things i love about the show and, and i do like that the sides can understand each other so loose for a deal in the first season like you said are antagonistical to each other yes not positive that's a word but the spear's kicking my ass i'm not going to correct you because <laughs> i don't care <laughs> fuck you philologist <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they they both end up seeing because they're around people and they see what humanity's like and and they can they actually grow from us little mortal worms that they're so much more powerful than yeah and they and they can see each other's point of view after a while and they and that's especially in the current political climate i think it's important to understand that outside of a few fuckers on both sides you can probably see the other person's point of view if you sit down and talk yeah I, I i would agree with that typically you know yeah anyway right i could probably go on but i, I think i'm good okay wait All wait right. wait i'm great haha <laughs> suck it <laughs> okay so moving on i'm gonna talk a little bit about some uh, about the the seasons um so so the first three seasons aired on fox season one had uh, 13 episodes and kind of lays the foundation for the series, obviously. That's kind of what a first season would do. Um, it also introduces the character of Penelope Decker, who is Chloe's mother, played by Rebecca De Mornay. Yeah. Excellent actor. Yes. And now Penelope Decker uh, was an 80s cheesy low-budget sci-fi movie actress, which I thought was great, you know. And, and I, lo- I love Rebecca De Mornay and, and other stuff, too. Now, yeah, prob- yeah. probably the first thing I saw her in, which was her big break, was uh, 1981's Risky Business with Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, she, she played the call girl, Lana. The courtesan. Yes. 
All right. So uh, season two of Lucifer has 18 episodes. They originally did 24, but four got shifted to season three. Uh, they were doing that for some strange reason. It starts to explore more of the family dynamic uh, as Lucifer and Amenadiel become closer and Mum is introduced. <laughs> now, Mum, as Lucifer calls her, Mom. a.k.a. Charlotte Richards, is played by Tricia Helfer. Mum is the goddess of all creation, and she returns to Earth, inhabiting the body of murdered lawyer Charlotte Richards. When the goddess leaves at the end of second season, Charlotte is resurrected and becomes a main character for season three. And Charlotte has a cameo in season six, the character. Helfer also did an episode in season five where she played a character called Shirley Monroe. Now, Trisha Helfer is probably best known for her role as the Cylon number six in Battlestar Galactica. The reboot in of Battlestar the, Galactica. Yeah, the reboot. Um, from the not the original, 2000s. not the best one, but the way more sexy one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Never thought I'd look at Starbuck that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also introduced in season two uh, is Mr set out bitch uh and candy fletcher or candy morningstar now mr set out bitch i don't remember who that is you don't remember mr set out bitch i remember candy oh remember mom so uh jeremiah burkett plays lee garner aka mr set out bitch um he's a small-time criminal he has repeated run-ins with lucifer starting with the first episode of season two he gets the name Set Out Bitch because in season three, he has stolen a Brinks truck and is driving through the desert trying to get away from Los Angeles when he encounters Lucifer, who stops him for a ride back to Los Angeles. All right. Now I know who he is now. I just didn't know the name. Yeah. And when yes, Lucifer Lucifer recognizes him and says, what did you say your name was again? Because Lucifer recognized him from the season two encounter and he says, what was your name again? He pulls a gun on him and said, set out, bitch. He goes, Mr. Set out, bitch. <laughs> Thank you for picking me up. <laughs> oh, gracious. <laughs> <laughs> now, Candy Morningstar um, was played by Lindsay Gort. Well, the character's last name was Fletcher, but she was a nightclub singer and owner, actually, in Las Vegas and Lucifer's wife who he marries when he runs off to Vegas during an emotional crisis. Oh, Lucy. <laughs> and she shows up. She, she's only in two episodes, season two and season three. Okay, so season three was the longest season, um, had 26 episodes, starts to delve a little bit more into characters from the Bible, has a love triangle. Um, season three yeah. also has a major revelation. I'm not going to give that. Dun, dun, dun. And it introduces lieutenant marcus pierce Ooh, ooh. sorry i'm fine okay but but i will say that he in this role he's pretty super man <laughs> i see what you did there <laughs> i got that reference <laughs> marcus pierce is played by tom welling uh he's he's introduced in the first episode of season three as the new lieutenant um at the precinct and i I, I saw this somewhere and I forgot to write it down and, and I couldn't I couldn't remember what the term was. The LA, LAPD does not use the term precinct. They, they use a different word. But in the show, they actually say precinct. 
and helps keep things a little more fictional. Yeah. I'm okay um, with that. I, now, now this is not the revelation I was talking about, but it is revealed halfway through the season, around halfway through the season, that Marcus Pierce is, in fact, Kane from the Bible. The first murderer. Yeah. The Kane? The Kane. And he's immortal because Cain was marked by God, remember? Well, Cain's mark makes him immortal. That's his curse, is to wander the earth for eternity. I just want to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tom Welling is probably best known for uh, his role as Clark Kent slash Superman in the series Smallville as James alluded to. (laughs) (laughs) So near the end of season three, Fox announced the cancellation of the show. I've seen the numbers and yeah, viewership like dropped by half between season one and season three. Well, the problem with Fox is they always jump the gun on this. Yes. Yes, they do. Hello, Firefly. Hello, Dollhouse. Yeah. And from what... The producers on Lucifer said the problem was Fox only looked at viewership in the U.S., but overseas, the ratings were very good, and the show had a massive following, you know, so but, so, so Fox cancels it. Well, in, in anticipation of having a fourth season, they'd already filmed two episodes. <laughs> so Fox, you know, they, they aired all the, all the season three episodes, and they went, Oh wait, we've got these two episodes that you guys were going to, you know, do for season four. But yeah, we'll just we'll, we'll get bonus episodes, whatever. So they they air them after this, this, you know, what was supposed to be the series finale, and they're 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 out of sequence, right? Or at least one of them is. And I, I think a, a lot of fans get a little confused over this. The episode Boo Normal, which is it's listed <laughs> as season three, episode twenty five. It it is actually canon. It it takes place within the framework of the show. The producers and writers suggest you watch it between episodes 15 and 16 of season three. And it really does fit there. It probably would have helped because I watched, I actually watched Lucifer as it was on, you know, and when those came out, I, I did not know it had been canceled at the time. And I'm, we're watching it and we're like, the fuck's going on? I, yeah, I know because of the way episode 24, which was, you know, the season finale when it was supposed to, you know as far as fox was concerned was going to be the series finale it ends on a major cliffhanger <laughs> yeah uh-huh. and and then you know you go into this next episode and it's like hey hi how's it going? you know and, and these characters are interacting and they shouldn't be interacting this way because of the way the previous episode enters <laughs> it's just like what the fuck <laughs> uh, wait, wait did, did we miss something was there an episode last week we didn't know about with the two-week height what <laughs> yeah and i look it up i'm like no we didn't miss it what the hell so the other episode, James mentioned an episode where Neil Gaiman does a voiceover. It's this, right. it's, it's this other episode called Once Upon a Time, which is, it's, it's an alternate universe kind of story. Neil Gaiman does the voiceover as God. And later on, when God does actually appear in the series, there were some people who went, well, why didn't Neil Gaiman do it? Well, because Neil Gaiman's an actor. He's not an actor. He's a writer. <laughs> he's, a, he's actually a very good voice actor. I've, I've heard yeah. him do several voice roles. And I've seen him do like sort of cameos, and he's good. But he's yeah. Yeah, much better as a voice, voice actor. Yeah. And, and he did a great job doing the voiceover in this episode. But like I said, it's an alternate universe episode. And it's, you know, well, what would have happened if Chloe Decker's dad didn't die in the line of duty 
would these two individuals meet each other or would they still wind up becoming partners you know and that's that's the plot of the episode and i, I liked it i thought you know oh that was pretty good <laughs> you know got a kick out of neil gaiman doing the voiceover and, and everything and yeah I, I i liked that episode but it you know you could almost watch that episode anywhere within the context of the series because it's like marvel's what if so like I was saying, when Fox announced the cancellation, what they did not take into consideration was the viewership outside of the U.S. And the fans, or Lucy fans, <laughs> as, as they are known, started an online campaign to save the show, hashtag Save Lucifer, which becomes the title of an episode in season four to thank the fans and pay tribute to what they did <laughs> to get the show <laughs> resurrected which happened when netflix picked it up and initially uh netflix picked it up for two seasons um so what wound up being four and five um this allowed the show to become a little bit more dark than it had been on fox allowed for some saltier language rachel harris again uh she talked about the cancellations and stuff the first time we were canceled at fox and then netflix picked us up that blew us away but then the fifth and sixth seasons were completely unexpected and so affirming. I've been around a long time and shows don't get saved like that. It's not that easy. So it's been really a godsend, no pun intended. Snicker, snicker. <laughs> yeah, but it's felt wonderful. Yeah, I, you know, like I said, the, the fans are devoted <laughs> to this show. I started following several fan groups on Facebook and Twitter, uh, Instagram. So yeah, the, the fans are definitely dedicated to this show. Uh, so season four, the first one that was on Netflix, and all six seasons are on Netflix. Uh, but season four not only deals with the fallout from the big reveal at the end of season three, but the consequences of Lucifer being on Earth and not in hell. And it introduces Eve from the Bible and the yeah, character. That, that of, Eve? That yes. Eve. <laughs> yeah, that Eve. Uh, and and uh, Father McKinley, uh, who is a new character. Eve is portrayed by Inbar Lavi. Eve obviously is the first woman and a party girl. Um, good she, reason when you hear her backstory. Yeah, which I won't go into the backstory, but um, she leaves heaven and comes back to earth to hook up with Lucifer because, you know, the whole Garden of Eden thing was fun until they got caught. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eve makes guest appearances in season five and has a recurring role in season six. Now, Father McKinley was played by Scottish actor Graham McTavish. Oh, McTav hey, you know who else is Scottish? Uh, Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge McDuck, woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and he also plays Dromos. That's near the end of season four. So, um, Wasn't he? Wait, shit, he was in The Hobbit. He right? was. He was Dwalin in The Hobbit. <laughs> woo! <laughs> I was, I was going to mention that, but that's okay. That's, that's cool. <laughs> Hey, you know, I got to jump in when I can. <laughs> I know, I know. That's why I'm okay with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got that reference. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Father McKinley is a Catholic priest that Chloe meets in Rome during her vacation following the events of the season three finale. Um, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he, he spends most of season four working against Lucifer. Um, Dromos is a character that appears later in season four. Oh, yes. And Dromos appears later in season four, thanks to Eve, I should mention. Jeez, Eve. 
First the apple, now Dromos. Come on. <laughs> I actually love Eve in this series. Oh, I, great. I do Just too, yeah. Perky, bubbly. Nothing gets her down until it does, and then, man, you know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Season five has even more celestial shenanigans. I was taking a drink. I almost spit from your alliteration there. Don't you love that? Celestial shenanigans. I do. Say that three times real quick. Uh, no. Okay, wait, here we go. I'm going to try. I'm pretty tanked. Celestial shenanigans, celestial shenanigans, celestial shenanigans. Hey, that's pretty good. Not, not too bad. Not. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Um, plus, and I've already mentioned that God appears in season five. Wait, we, we were there in season five? Yes. All right, good, okay. Um, Lilith, as we mentioned, appears in season five, as does Michael, who we mentioned earlier, appears in season five. <laughs> um, Wait, don't you mean Michael? Yeah. <laughs> now, of course, yes, 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 Michael. Um, uh, played by Tom Ellis because he's Lucifer's twin. Um, and Lilith is played by Leslie Ann Brandt because she's Lilith's mother and is the spitting image of, you know, <laughs> they're the spitting image of each other. Um, God, <laughs> and, and like we mentioned, God, some people were disappointed that it wasn't Neil Gaiman. Some people were disappointed it wasn't Morgan Freeman. Look, just because Morgan Freeman's played God and has a great voice. Right. Let it go. You know who else has a great voice and who has now played God? us no although we do and we have because we are <laughs> brilliant <laughs> anyway go ahead dennis haysbert as god aka dad <laughs> dad not much to say about god he's god no i like it um shit what else is he he's, he's uh, the guy from the all-state commercials all-state yeah that's yes. it that's the thing though People who were like, you know, it would have been cool if they got Neil Gaiman or it would have been cool if they got Morgan Freeman. Not one of them had said Dennis Haysbert sucked in the role. They've all said he was good. So not just being the Allstate guy, my favorite role that he had was in Major League as yeah. Cuban baseball player and voodoo practitioner Pedro Serrano. Serrano's. I love screw you, Jobu. I'll do it to myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, I love Major League. I, I do too. I mean, I'm, I'm not the baseball fan you are, but that movie is awesome. Okay. So the response to the show after it went to Netflix was phenomenal. It became one of the most streamed shows on the platform, leading Netflix to ask for a sixth season, which came out um, as of this recording a week ago. Yeah. 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 And uh, season six gives the show a definitive ending. And also, I don't know if it's just season six or if it's, you know, the entire series over again, put Lucifer back up to the top of Netflix streaming in almost every territory. Nice. So as a recovering Catholic. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, what you said. <laughs> um, season six introduces the character, uh, introduces a couple of new characters. Uh, one, well, actually, no, one of them was introduced in season five. We just get to know him more in season six. 
I cannot, and I did not make a note about him. Um, <laughs> uh, but but Carol. Oh yeah, you just see him like real briefly in five, right? Yeah, like at the end. Yeah, yeah. He's he's introduced in season five, and then he uh, has a recurring role in season six. That's maybe why I didn't mention him because it's a recurring role and not a, a main character in the season, as opposed to Rory or Aurora. I like Rory. I do too, and um, she's played by Brianna Hildebrand. Um, I, I'm not going to say anything about the character. Okay, outside of I, I like the character. Um, it is a new enough season that that would be a pretty big spoiler. Yeah, that's why I'm not really going to say anything more. Um, you might know Brianna Hildebrand from Deadpool. Shit, I, I actually didn't look up to see what else she'd been in, but that's where crap the they, hair. She the hair plays. <laughs> yes, yes, because in Deadpool, she also has a closely shaved head. Negasonic teenage warhead <laughs> is played by Brianna Hildebrandt in Deadpool and Deadpool Two. She doesn't have as big a role in Deadpool Two, but and she she is one of the best characters in Deadpool. <laughs> oh, I love her, and that shit I didn't realize that was her. Yes, so yeah, I, I'm I was really happy with the casting on that one, and uh, yeah. Okay, so I see by the um, clock that's not on the wall. <laughs> it's by probably the, time to. By, by the prickling of my thumbs, something <laughs> Lucifer this way comes. <laughs> this is probably a good good place to stop and pick it back up later. <laughs> uh, yeah, you didn't think we were going to get two episodes out of this, did you? I didn't. <laughs> I did not have a clue that this would be the case. <laughs> But, but uh, here we are <laughs> yes uh on that note <laughs> yeah yes please and thank you um yeah i'm james <laughs> i'm jody <laughs> we'll talk to y'all later bye the macabre manor is brought to you by the twin terrors all rights reserved stay tuned for some fun outtakes lucifer morning star Lucifer Morningstar. Is that uh, a stage name or something? <laughs> God-given, I'm afraid. I don't think you'll let us smoke in here. Oh, dear. What will become of me? My mother is a police officer. She could arrest you. Oh. I think I might know your mother. What's your name? Lucifer. Like the devil. Exactly. My name's Beatrice, but everybody calls me Trixie. That's a hooker's name. What's a hooker? Ask your mother. Okay, a list of everyone you slept with in the last eight weeks. Right, you'll need a much bigger notepad. Oh, bloody hell. All the chuckle bunnies talk. The what? Uh, chicks who like to have sex with comedians. Well, there's a term for that. Oh, I should get a term. <laughs> Devil bunnies. Oh, no, Lucy fans. Can you please? Or not. Whenever you're faced with a choice, ask yourself the question, WWLD. What would Lucifer do? Oh, oh dear. I've worn my orgy pants to work, haven't I? Hello, detective.